It's known as the long goodbye. Alzheimer's disease and other dementias rob a person of their humanity long before they shed their mortal coil. There's no cure yet, but recent medical advances give hope. The Alzheimer's Association declares the first survivor of Alzheimer's is out there, giving optimism to those of us living with the sort of dementia hanging over our heads. But in the meantime, there are those working on ways to ease the anxiety of the disease. One of those is Mike Fisher. You want to get them away from an aggressive behavior. You want to lower anxiety. You want them to be relaxed, but not necessarily fall asleep. They may have drugs that are knocking them out. But you want to reach a higher level, a higher state of cognition. He's here to talk about mind-bending. I'm Steve Fisher, and this is Life Slices. I start with a question that I always start people out. Mike, who is Mike Fisher? Well, Mike Fisher is, I guess, an old man at this point. Been around for a while, and I live north of Chicago. I'm a married guy with a couple of kids and want to do some good in the world. Okay, so what is your background? It's a long and varied background. I started out when I was about 22, and I went to school, and then I kind of dropped out because I wasn't sure what I was liking. I got into uh, photographic retouching. That was a time when it was all done by hand using an airbrush. So I would work for ad agencies, and I would get jobs where people had to be moved around in a picture or things taken out or the backgrounds taken out or blemishes removed and all sorts of things. It was a good job. It lasted several years until computers came around that did it better and faster. And then I went back to school. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a problem. That's why we, we've got strikes going on in Hollywood, because the computers are ready to replace everybody. I mean, it's a good thing. We get, we get more relaxation time if we can afford it. It's a, great, it's a great deal. But I did. I went back to school. I, was, I didn't quite fit in with programs they had. I'm one of those, I don't belong to a group kind of guy. I have my own ideas. Not, they're not out of the year. It's, I, I read a lot. I read a lot of science. And I, and I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of photography. I've just had it. This is crazy. Computers are going to take over, which they did. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into biology because I've always liked biology. I, I love living. I love living things. It's really interesting. And, and so, yes, I went and I pretty much designed my own program. I started out in a med tech program. So I, I took all the, the classes of med tech would. So I figured a nice job in a hospital and I, I'll get married. I'll have kids. and It'll be safe and secure. I'll be a happy guy. It'll be great. That was the 70s. Didn't quite work out that way. I, I went on a med tech in internship and realized that I'd be working in a room without windows in the basement of a hospital or somewhere where there was no windows and was always bodily fluids. I didn't really had no interest in. So, so I designed my own program. The school was great that way. I sat down with the counselor. I said, look, this is what I want to do. I want to do medical photography. I want to be in the OR. I want to be able to bring a body of knowledge to medicine that just doesn't exist. And at that time, there was an organization. I checked them out, but they were really much more focused on the act of photography. What was called ASA then turned to ISO, and it means nothing now, but that was film. Right. I remember those days. And there was a lot you needed to know about that because it was much more sensitive than digital cameras in terms of getting the exposure right. I already knew that. I had a darkroom since I was in like freshman in high school. So while everybody was out drinking, I was in my darkroom. I, I was having a gas. You know, I was learning. That was that was just what I needed. Basically, I designed a program that was the courses of a med tech plus. 
anatomy, physiology, dissection. I mean, you name it. I, I tried to get as much of it as I could. It was like a master's, really. I had to get presentations to groups of professors. And they liked me. They kicked me out. They said, you're great. You graduate. Get out of here. And I was like, what am I going to do now? You know, <laughs> I didn't quite fit the med tech mold anymore. And I was too independent. So I started a company with, with a fellow I met. And we created this unique little company. We eventually had a million images on just about any disease you could imagine or couldn't imagine. We serviced magazines, Newsweek, Time, ad agencies, Footcone. If they had medical accounts, they were calling us. And if, even if they didn't have medical accounts, if they wanted pictures that were shocking, which is what Hollywood would say. We need something that's, that's going to look like an alien. So they always wanted video of human guts showing what was going on. It's, it's like, but guys, you don't want to do this. <laughs> You're better off with the animation. This is really hardcore stuff. But we were, we were instrumental in a lot of things. We had like the second shot of HIV. I represented 400 individuals who were physicians, therapists, psychologists, anesthesiologists, microbiologists, food scientists. It was just amazing. If you saw the food scientist was one of the most amazing guys and he's still alive. At 98, he's producing a YouTube video like once a month. And if you saw what goat cheese looked like, you probably wouldn't want to eat it under an electron microscope. So it was interesting. Wait, I have to go to my refrigerator and throw out the goat cheese. <laughs> yeah, Textures are amazing in life. There's just lots of textures in nature. Now let's fast forward to today, and we've got venture now called A-Life. What is A-Life? A-Life is kind of the culmination of all those previous events. While I had that business, I got sick. And before that, both my parents came down with Alzheimer's almost at the exact same time. In fact, all I could do is figure out they were living with it for a while, and they were just great actors great actors. And then one day it just kind of broke down. My dad passed away and I had to bring my mom back here and I had her under 24-hour care in Florida and I'm up here in Chicago. That's like so difficult and so expensive. When it comes to being a caregiver, I think I've been through the mill with as, as a lot of people have. It's frustrating, it's emotional, it's expensive, it, it drains your life. But you, you want to do it because this is someone you love. You want to take care of them. You want to make sure they're all right. I could not engage with my mother at all. It was very tough. My whole family had like a communication problem. It, I had a brother and at one point, they, all four of us were in one room and they were yelling at each other. And I say, stop. Do you know he's saying this? Do you know she's saying that? I mean, it was just I had to be like a translator. And it, and it kind of dawned on me later saying they were having problems communicating. So all these little things that are up to that event, you kind of see. And so I got sick and I wound up, my mother passed away and it was just, yeah, we don't need to go into that. But it, she, she ran the course and she was in a nursing home. First, she was in assisted living. And then she was in a nursing home. And it was just a horrible thing to watch and heart-wrenching, just heart-wrenching. She passed away and I got sick and I had what's called a Whipple. A Whipple surgery made me so much lighter because they took out so many organs. I can now run so fast. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, got to make a joke out of it, right? I'm in an 8% club. There's only 8% survival rate. This is my sixth year. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough surgery. Tough surgery. But when I was in the hospital... I started watching the movies that are on the TV because between the tubes and the beeps and the whirs and the, and, and the buzzes and the nurses coming in and out, you got to focus on something, you know. 
And that was a tough surgery. And I was looking at these videos and I couldn't relate to them at all. Not at all. I'm sitting in a bed feeling like the crappiest I've ever felt in my life. And I'm watching African animals at a, at a, at a, at a watering hole. I don't get it. It's not connecting. There's nothing here. You're describing my evening. <laughs> watching animals. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Just watch YouTube and seeing all these animals. But you got to. Like I'd live at the zoo if I could. Zoos were more entertaining. At least it's live. And so I, I, before I had the surgery, and this is really important. I really, I really tell people if they're going in for some major surgery, this is a great thing to do. I found a hypnotherapist, and I had meditated before that, and really practiced that, uh, controlling my heartbeat, being able to bring my whole body down to just a very relaxed state. I was pretty good at it. I used to do isolation tanks 20 years earlier, and it just helps you relax. And if you're on a computer all day, it's one of the best things you can do. She made me a tape that I listen to day and night, and if you fall asleep to it, it's one of the best things you can do. And the hypnotherapy got me into this feeling that was just amazing. Amazing. I didn't go into the into the specifics of a Whipple, but you're, you're free to look it up. But I was... Is it W-H-I-P-P-L-E? L-E, yeah. And I was ready to be out of the hospital in three days. Normal is like seven. So it just got me healing and feeling good and strong. That was... I, I just felt this was a mirror. I mean, I, they brought me down into interventional radiology because I had a little bit of a infection here. And I had to stay awake while they started pushing a needle in to pull this out and I meditated. They said, don't move. <laughs> when they go like, don't move. This is tricky. I go, okay. And I just meditate and I just went deep and I didn't move at all and it was over and it was, it was great. It was just, it was like a, a very protective modality. I could put my body in and survive. And so I recommend it for anybody. I went to a woman here in Chicago, Sharon Sawyer. It, it was great. It was just, it was just a good thing. And so between that and looking at this film and thinking about my mom and, and having read a lot about Alzheimer's previously, and I knew music was a good modality for them to listen to. And old music is great for them to listen to from between the ages of 18 and 25. That's the music you live with for your whole life. That's the music that gets all the neurons firing at the same time. It's reminiscence, you know. And uh, I sat there and I started thinking, well, you know, how could I have engaged my mother? with with any of this stuff you know and uh i started thinking about that way way earlier but when i had the surgery it kind of just kind of coalesced you know and uh got me thinking in the right direction it wasn't just music there had to be a little bit more you know so a life is uh is the result of many many hours <laughs> staring into a wall thinking about how this should work Talking to nurses, talking to physicians that I knew, therapists, psychologists. And A-Life is a, is a composite, you know. It's a composite of visual storytelling, music, medical data, information technology, coalesced into a sustainable renewing tool that offers relief for those living with Alzheimer's, but even just as important, time for their caregivers. If someone's going to take care of you, they need to be healthy. They need to be strong. They need to be mentally healthy. So it's an intervention. It's soothing. And then I took it a step further. So A-Life is entertainment. But I said entertainment's okay. There's so much going on in science right now. And part of my healing process was using binaural beats. 
Have you ever heard of binaural beats? No. And I was going to ask you about that. Is what the heck are binaural beats? And, and do they do they work in a salad? <laughs> <laughs> Only with so basically, this has been around for a long time. You don't see any pharmaceutical companies getting behind it because for them it's a it's a whole different animal to monetize. So essentially, this has been going on since the 1800s. This is not new. This was in the 1800s. They were known as Salfagio frequencies. You like the the chants. I forgot the name of them. The Gregorian chants were as a Salfagio frequency. And there's different frequencies. And if you go on YouTube, you'll see 432 hertz as the healing frequency. Other ones like 639 hertz for harmonious relationships. 396 might feel like release guilt. So I'm not in that realm at all. I'm not in that realm because it, it tends to sound like I don't want to go there, I don't want to say this, but the way it's put out there sounds like it's crystals and too, too much magic. What I work with is brain frequencies. We've got five different brain waves, and I make use of And when you have Alzheimer's, your gamma frequency is lowered. It's lowered. It's just less. And so what we do is entertainment with frequency behind it. So we've got three levels of videos. Let me just give you like an overall, then I can get into specifics. So the first category is just entertainment. It's just remastered videos. It's nature walks. It's road trips. One, for instance, is I took a whole bunch of Gene Autry and Tex Ritter movies and edited out just their singing. We don't need to see the bad guys. We don't need to see any violence or aggression. Yeah, Alzheimer's, that's like the best thing to watch. That's why regular TV isn't so good. You want to get them away from an aggressive behavior. You want to lower anxiety. You want them to be relaxed, but not necessarily fall asleep. They may have drugs that are knocking them out, but you want them, you want, you want to reach a higher level, a higher state of cognition. This is entertainment because the other thing with Alzheimer's is you get bored. You can't focus on television. There's too many, too many multi-layered plots. There's too many characters. And I don't know if you've known anybody with early onset Alzheimer's, but I've known two people, and it was awful to watch. One was a friend, another one was a good friend, and it happens years. You don't even know it's happening. So you're always going, I don't, why, don't know why I can't remember this. This is crazy. And I remember her saying that a lot. So it's just a building of frequencies, probably. And, the, you know, the science isn't in 100% on beta amyloid or tau protein. But it, it's, it's indicative. They just don't know what causes that. That's the underlying cause of, of Alzheimer's. That boredom, we attack first. And that's what the first category of videos is about. The second category and the third category are about neural entrainment. That's where the binaural beats take place and light therapy. So in the second category, it's just audio neural entrainment. You'll listen to music or watch a video, you hear music behind it, and the binaural beats are very low, but they're still working. It doesn't need to be loud. It just needs to be there. So the binaural beats are actually sound. Are actually sounds. Are actually audible frequencies. I bring them low. I mean, I've done so many videos to to get it right. I mean, what I have up there now is the the synthesis of probably a hundred videos. A lot of them were canned. If they annoyed me, I know they were going to annoy somebody else. So did you have to learn all this stuff, or did you figure you're the one who figured it out? No, this is all research at the National Library of Medicine at PubMed, and really what the research is, has been giving people has been straight tones, isochronic tones, which is just a straight 40 hertz 
frequency or binaural beats where the frequency happens internally in your brain and your auditory cortex. And so I, I read the, the research. And so how can I make this better? I mean, these guys, what these guys are doing is not, to me, a, a sellable product. I've been a salesman. People want to know they're getting something really good. If you sell them a bunch of tomes, this guy, they're going to get a headache. They may suffer through it and it'll work for them, but they're not going to be happy about it. So the trick for me was to make it entertaining and make it helpful at the same time. And then the PowerPick Institute at MIT, there's a, a woman out there, a professor, and she basically, what's her name? Tsai Li Huai Tsai. She's an American neuroscientist. She's a director of the Pickhauer Institute of Learning and Memory at MIT. And she's gone on TED Talks, and we've got her TED Talk on our site, and she's published these papers. And her paper is the one that kind of kicked me over and said, okay. This is it. This is it. She found it. And this is it. And she added light entrainment, light neural entrainment. So it's a flashing light at 40 hertz. It's kind of the same thing. They're flashing a light in their eyes and they got a tone in their ears. It would drive me nuts. So I took it and I kind of reworked the whole thing. I turned it into beats that are there and just slightly audible. You could hardly hear them. And then around the videos, we've got a light frame on four sides, very thin, that flashes at 40 hertz. I take it a little bit further, though. The light is full-spectrum light, but the opposite is 620 nanometers. So it goes to full-spectrum full light to 620 to full-spectrum to 620. 620 has been noted to have a higher degree of cognitive response. And so those are the three categories, just general entertainment, audio, and then audio and light neural entrainment. So now what have you noticed as far as the effect on the Alzheimer's patient? Well, I don't have to do that yet. Right now I'm looking for two memory care centers. I'd like to give it to them for free for six months to work with them with the data that they give Medicare. I tried working with one a long time ago, but the product just wasn't there and I didn't want to go through with it. But now the product is theirs. That administration has changed hands. It's not a big corporation. I'm looking for a place that has like maybe two or three memory care centers, small enough to work with and looking for something that's a benefit they could offer to their residents that increases cognition. And and typically, all the reports, note that's about six months. I did see a report recently that was kind of amazing. They used two control groups because they feel that theta, the theta wave, is better than gamma to increase memory. And so they did theta against white noise. And before they exposed people to it, they had them read 200 words, each word, spend time on each word, trying to remember it, 200 words. And then they exposed them to theta and white noise. And then they added 100 new words. And they were only expected to say whether it was an old word or a new word. Well, they only listened to binaural beats for 36 minutes. And they definitely had an increase in cognition and did really well in, uh, in picking out those well, those weren't Alzheimer's patients. They weren't. So they weren't Alzheimer's patients. So we're looking to kind of prove the same thing. We've got alpha and gamma. We're adding theta. This particular study, though, did theta against beta because there's research out there saying beta is better. But beta is kind of the thing we're, when we're active. That's when beta is active. So theta is much more calm. It's much more creative. Uh, delta is for meditation. Gamma is like that cognition. You know, we're doing things. We're doing things. That's, that's when your gamma is present. 
And increasing that would definitely increase cognition. You haven't really studied this. Do you have a technical advisor in your program or are you doing this all on your own? Doing it basically on my own and talking to different people, talking to physicians, talking to nurses. I have an RN that I consult with all the time. He's worked with Alzheimer patients. I'm just about to call a few places locally and say, hey, you want to give it to you for free. Check it out. We just need to work with you. But And here's the studies. It's real. It's harmless. It doesn't hurt anybody. That's been proven. And so that's, that's where we're at right now. What has been the reaction of the medical professionals you've spoken to about this or shown it? How, what was their reaction to this whole program? I just met a therapist this past week. She was in town. And she says, what do you do? Just told her what I just told her. She says, she looked at me, her face was blank. She says, that's amazing. What a great idea. She got so excited about it. And that's really what I get. People who are involved in medicine and have been with anything, anything helps. Head nurses, if they can eke a few minutes out in their day to be able to give more care. When you're, Have you ever been in, a, in a, an Alzheimer's? Uh, it's noisy. Sometimes it's really quiet, but a lot of times it's like two, three people make a noise, screaming, whatever, I need help. It's a lot going on. So if they can keep some people occupied without having to, I've been in there and they always have a giant TV and they're always saying, where's the remote control? What should we put on? And what are they going to They're going to put a game show on. Nobody's watching. Everybody's head is down like this. What I give them is, is reminiscence. Things that are going to reflect back in their mind. Things that are going to, oh yeah, the woods. This is, I remember. Look at the sun. It's beautiful. Something to lift their head and grab 30 seconds of joy. You know? Something. Okay, so Something. Mike, we're, we're running out of time and I, I don't want to lose these two things. So first of all, how do people learn more about A-Life? Just go to a-life.org. The information is there. You can contact me off that site. And in about a week, we're going to be adding a public radio station. There's a, there's a subscription to a radio station 24, seven days a week. It plays calming music and is going to have three sessions a day of frequencies, morning, afternoon, late afternoon, and late at night to put people to sleep. The public station, which is free, is going to have about 20, 25 hours of music on it and one session a day to give people an idea of what it's about. And if they can't afford it, it's there for them Are there any use. questions that you would like to answer that I haven't? to ask. You've done a great job, and I probably have been talking too much. But I, I guess, I guess what I what I would want to leave with is is just the fact that this is science. It's, it's non pharmacologic intervention, and it's safe. You could still take those drugs and still use this, and would probably do a much now, better if I job. If I take recreational drugs and use this, what would the effect be on me? Oh, pre Alzheimer's. <laughs> You, you probably want to turn on to another music station, I would think. You might want some Jimi Hendrix or, uh, or somebody. You know, if you're normal, if you're normal, you can listen to some of that nice calming music, but probably in about 15 minutes, you're going to want to vacate station and go watch TV or something. This is very specific, very specific entertainment. Sounds great. Mike, I wish you the best of luck with it, and thank you for being on Life Slices. Steve, thank you so much. And I just want to say for a little transparency, we're not related. We have the same last name. Not that, not that, that, we, know not that we know of. So it was a surprise, and I want to thank you very much for having me on the podcast. 
My thanks to Mike Fisher for being here and shedding some light on his new project to ease the discomfort of dementia patients. It's no cure-all, but anything to make what time those people have left as pleasant as possible is to be lauded. For more information on Alzheimer's disease, go to the Alzheimer's Association's website, alz.org. That's alz.org. And spend as much time with your loved ones as possible. As long as Alzheimer's exists, we all live with the threat. If you liked this program, please like Life Slices on social media and subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesley and Studios. Mm-hmm.